Welcome to Yoga Perspectives, a podcast from Heartwood Yoga Institute that helps yoga teachers and practitioners gain clarity in yoga principles and practices. Join us for down-to-earth conversations that make sense of classical and contemporary yoga concepts to deepen your understanding while keeping you connected, inspired, and awakened to yoga's full potential. And now, your host, Ginny Shattuck. Welcome and thank you for joining us. It is spring in Florida. I've been in the garden working all week and we've been doing some spring cleaning. And I've noticed that there's been some shifts and changes in some of the classes at Hartwood. Denver uh, is joining us today and she posted a beautiful blog about Ayurveda and spring. And I felt we had to have her join us for a conversation today and bring some of this wisdom to the teachers out here listening. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so this one always pops up for me this time of year because in other parts of the country and the world, although it is spring, we have many, many friends who are dealing with feet and feet of snow and uh, often seasonal depression that comes with spring. And this one makes a lot of sense from an Ayurvedic perspective. So I thought we would start to discuss it. In my uh, drop-in class on Tuesday evenings, the last two weeks, I was actually exploring this concept too. So I thought we'd just have a little discussion about what does spring mean in terms of Ayurveda and how we can support ourselves and our students if we're teaching through different practices as well during this shift. Sounds wonderful. So in Ayurveda, just as a review for people who may not know, we learn that there are five great elements that encompass all things, earth, air, fire, water, and ether. And these elements are in inherent in everything in existence, right? So certain individuals, certain foods have more of certain elements than others. And those five elements combine to the three doshas. Uh, kapha, which is a combination of earth and water. Pitta, which is a combination of water and fire. And vata, which is a combination of air and ether or space. So I like to mention that way uh, because I'm going sort of from heaviest to lightest. And so every person, animal, food, and season has an embodiment of these elements. And in spring, we have an influx of kapha. We have an influx of the elements of earth and water. You know, snows in areas where it does snow, not here outside where it's 95 degrees in Florida, but in areas where it does snow, the snow is melting and that becomes water that seeps into the earth. That's what nurtures the seeds that have been hibernating during the winter and gives birth to spring. But when those elements are in excess, it can cause an imbalance externally and internally with us as people. And we learn in Ayurveda that as people, we come into this world with our prakriti, which is our predetermined balance of elements. Some people already in their healthy, natural state at birth have more of that earth energy. Others have more fiery energy. Some have more airy energy. None is better or worse than the other. I think we get lost in that sometimes because as a society, we glorify the pitta, we glorify the production and the fire, um, but everybody has their own natural state of balance. And so as the seasons shift between every shift of seasons, people who embody a lot of those elements already can find themselves feeling out of balance. Um, so 
this comes up a lot with seasonal depression during this time. There's already so much heaviness from winter um, and this dampness during spring really lends itself to this feeling physically, mentally and emotionally of being kind of stuck and cold and mucky, which is why we feel the desire to spring clean, for example, or to do an Ayurvedic cleanse um, to lighten ourselves up. And that has an effect not just physically on our bodies, but also emotionally and energetic that's really important. And we're born with this intuition to naturally reach for those things that bring us back into balance. But the demands of modern life and the artificial way that we heat and cool our homes and light our homes so we can work at all hours of the day kind of throws us off a of balance. And so I thought we might have a discussion about some ways that you can keep yourself in balance as we move into this space of spring. Um, so the first one is just to really familiarize yourself with the circadian rhythms of Ayurveda. So on the circadian clock in Ayurveda, there are different periods of time that resonate with different energies. For example, from 3 to 5 a.m. is when we have this energy of vata, this really light kind of ethereal spacey time. So people who have a lot of that energy in their lives uh, are naturally inclined to wake up at that time. My newborn wakes up at 3 o'clock every day. <laughs> Um, so does my grandmother, who's in her 90s, right? So both of those are a state of flux in terms of their development as humans um, and lightness. And that's what lends itself to that. So because of that, um, on the circadian clock, between 6 and 10 a.m. is the time of kapha dosha. If you've ever noticed when you oversleep, like into 9, 10 o'clock, it almost becomes harder to wake up during that time. And so the later we sleep in, the more difficult it is for us to kind of pull ourselves out of that heavy state of kapha dosha. So if we set our alarm for 5.30, just before 6 a.m., we really can kind of lean into the lightness of the atmosphere and the time of that earlier space of that vata space just before that. Um, you know, we have we have more quiet spiritual energy. It's great time to wake up and meditate if you have a meditation practice and get more done. The next one is a shift toward eating lighter foods. So kapha embodies these qualities of density, uh, earth and moisture, water. And so when the atmosphere gets cool and dry in the winter, it's no wonder we reach for dense, heavy foods like root vegetables and stews, uh, things that are in season. But now as we shift out of that, this is the time to apply kind of the opposite to our diet. So light, warming and stimulating flavors like uh, cinnamon, ginger, turmeric, maybe eating smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day. So our digestion doesn't become sluggish. Um, you know, kapha taste is sweet and cold and oily. So if we add like to like, that can keep us feeling out of balance, too much kapha. Uh, sweet, cold and oily, things like bananas and avocados kind of have that quality to them. So minimizing those flavors during this time and favoring things that are drying or pungent or bitter like apples, broccoli, cilantro. Uh, you might even look into an Ayurvedic cleanse, which is utilizing a mono diet where you just eat kitchari, which is really healing for the gut for anywhere from like three to 21 days. 
uh, don't confuse the word cleanse with an absence of food, uh, because, you know, in my body image work, there's a lot of talk about that, but it's really about soothing the digestive system, which in turn soothes the nervous system because there's a gut brain connection that directly affects our nervous system. The next one is to really encourage yourself to get moving, right? The antidote to depression and heaviness is movement. Uh, so the antidote to stagnant kapha energy in the body and in the mind is moving, getting out in the warm sun. Uh, even if the air outside is cold and you live somewhere where it's very cold, the sun can help counteract that because it has heat and fire. Take a walk, breathe fresh air, stimulate your circulation with warming, invigorating activities. Uh, if you like lifting weights, this helps channel that stability of kapha uh, into productive energy that fuels your body. 30 minutes a day, take a walk, get outside, move your body in any way that feels good and is appropriate to you. Another way to kind of pull ourselves out of that heaviness of kapha is to set goals. Right. So if we think about spring as this damp, cool earth that brings with it a new growth as a result, right? Everything's been in hibernation and now it's blossoming. We can do this in our lives in the spring as well. So now's a really great time to sprout new seeds of growth. Challenge yourself to start a new habit. Stimulate your inner fire, your tapas, uh, your discipline by finding something new that you want to incorporate into your daily routine. Think about what excites you and lean into that energy of the renewal of spring. Uh, maybe journaling, making a vision board, speaking your desires out loud. Now is a really great time to do that as well. And then the next one is to pay attention to your breath. So the clearest way to really uh, stir up the stagnant energy of kapha that might make us feel heavy in excess is to breathe in oxygen, right? Uh, BKS Iyengar has this wonderful quote in his book, Light on Pranayama, and he talks about how the inhale is this intake of cosmic universal energy to the self. And the pause at the top of the in-breath is witnessing the union of the universal consciousness with the individual. And then the exhale is the sharing of the individual with the universe. And the pause at the bottom of the exhale is the witnessing of my individual consciousness with the universe. And rather than a two-part in and out breath, it becomes a four-part breath. And I think that's such a beautiful representation of what prana or life force is. It's an invitation inward of the external, and then a moment to witness the union and the awe of the that coming into yourself. And then an exhale or a sharing or a giving of my individual energy to the universe, which is a teacher, you know, we all feel that every day when we teach. And then there's a pause to witness the union of the two. And so really just observing the breath during this time as this beautiful gift that we're giving and receiving. If you think about plants and the fact that they thrive directly off of the carbon dioxide that we exhale, that's really what prana is. It's a giving and receiving of energy, a circle of energy. And so this is a really good time to become aware of that rather than perhaps kind of wallowing in this heaviness of depression, this stagnant, when will the sun come out if it hasn't come out yet where you live? Um, and just embodying the breath as a life force, especially if we're feeling stuck and um, uninspired and kind of complacent during this time of year. 
And then the last one is practice of self-loving massage. So Abhyanga is this practice of uh, warm oil massage that can be done by yourself or by an Ayurvedic bodywork practitioner. Uh, what's interesting is the word for oil in Sanskrit, sniha, is the same as the word for love, which I think is beautiful. Um, so in the spring, we want to embody all of these qualities of light and airy. So if we use a heavy oil, it can make us feel more sticky and dense, especially if we have a lot of kapha energy already. So we want to choose something that's light and absorbent, like a sweet almond oil or coconut oil absorbs really well, and anything that really helps to stimulate circulation in the body. So just self-massaging the feet and the hands and the arms and the legs and the belly for digestion would be really great. Uh, you can even put some essential oils into that blend if you want to stimulate more heat in the body. Uh, we actually have an Abhyanga oil tutorial on our YouTube page that we made during COVID that you can check out online. And you can do this in the morning or in the evening to reset the nervous system and kind of stimulate circulation through the body. So in addition to these things, you know, waking up a little earlier, maybe changing your diet to something a bit lighter, moving your body, uh, setting goals, paying attention to the breath, taking in a lot of air, a lot of prana, and practice self-loving massage, which is really good, especially if you're feeling depressed. Uh, there are a lot of postures that you can incorporate into your asana practice, into your yoga class that really kind of get that energy moving as well. And in terms of what um, stimulates kapha or that stagnant dormant energy, this includes anything that creates some warmth and some steadiness. So it can be difficult when we're feeling kind of sluggish in the springtime, crawling out of the winter to feel motivated. So we don't necessarily want to jump right into a high impact routine because personally, I don't feel like doing that at this time of year, but something that is steady, that creates a little bit of warmth can stimulate that internal fire. So nice slow vinyasa or uh, standing lunges that create some heat and fire kind of lean into the stability of your legs, which is where your body embodies a lot of that earth energy. And from that stability creates heat that moves upward. Um, taking the gaze while you're practicing up toward the sky is a nice uplifting way to create more energy. Um, and so all of these are things that you can kind of incorporate into your classes as a teacher or your personal practice at home to stimulate that type of energy as well. People often ask us when we are teaching Ayurvedic yoga in our, you know, in our teacher training programs. Where do you draw the line between saying, um, these are the practices I need to bring to the classroom? And yet some of the people, it may be an excess of a certain dosha mm -hmm. or, you know, a lack. And so somewhere in there, there has to be some kind of assessment, some kind of range or some spectrum that we are looking for as teachers. Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that everything exists on a spectrum. And sometimes newer teachers can attach themselves to this idea when they first learn about uh, vata, pitta, kapha, and they, they self-identify with, well, I have a lot of vata, so that means I can't concentrate on anything and I have to do the exact opposite. And they swing the pendulum completely to the other end, and then they can throw themselves out of balance in that respect as well. So when I'm teaching a group class where I don't really know who's in the room. I can guesstimate based on who I know and what I know about Ayurveda. I really want to think about what's going on 
externally outside seasonally that we can lean into that can help us um, kind of move the energy that way, right? So if I have somebody who has a lot of pitta in the room and I go, I think, oh, it's spring and there's a lot of kapha. So we're going to do hot vinyasa flow and get really intense. That throws that individual potentially out of balance because they already have a lot of that fire and like attracts like and can exacerbate those energies. So really incorporating these things slowly, mindfully, a little bit at a time is important because that is what allows ourselves and our students to start to explore, kind of, you know, put their toe in the water and feel what it feels like to embody these new practices without swinging the pendulum to the extreme. Um, and that's really important all the time, not just on the yoga mat. I think that... Um since building awareness is such a huge part of yoga and what we're trying to achieve with people, that part of the educational process is teaching our students what to look for mm -hmm. and what certain elements may be prevalent during this time of year. Mm -hmm. And then we can maybe teach them, and if you feel like this, this might be a wonderful solution for you. Mm -hmm. And yet if you're feeling differently, this might be a better solution. So we have to kind of empower them to have that moment where they can look into themselves to recognize what are the sensations of the body? What are your um, instinctual reactions to things and then teach them how the yoga can be applied. And we were just talking about this in our uh, previous discussion where we talked about speaking in absolutes. So it's important as a teacher when you're sharing these concepts to say, here are some possibilities that you might experience. And here are some suggestions for what you might do in that instance. Because I can't assume one thing or the other about my students because I don't know the whole story of what's going on in their life or where they've been coming from. We can't take everything at face value. So just collecting as much information as I can and really exploring how do I present this information as a possibility to my students and then point them in a direction where they can get more information. For example, there's really great uh, self-assessment dosha quiz, Prakriti quiz you can take at banyanbotanicals.com that I usually send my students to. I can make a lot of educated guesses based on my knowledge and my training about what this individual is dealing with. But the self-reflection part is what's most important about yoga. It's not my job to diagnose them. It's my job to say, hey, here are some things that I notice. Here's what yoga and Ayurveda say about that. You may want to do some exploring on what it means to you and if that's truly what's happening with you or not. And if that's the case and you feel like like this can bring you back into balance. Here are some practices I would recommend. Mm -hmm. I think that um, in our world today, we get so busy and distracted and we become creatures of routine that also the students don't recognize that things are changing, mm -hmm. that the same practice in the same way isn't necessarily the best choice at different times of year. And I'm an advocate personally of ceremony in classes and ways of bringing awareness to something beyond just the postures. And I'm, do you have any recommendations of how to bring spring indoors into the class? I know they walk through the parking lot, they get in there, they're certainly aware that the weather is changing because of how they're dressed and yeah. all. But we can, um, through maybe 
creating an altar, maybe through uh, our I did this. I did this metaphors. last week. Yeah. So with my class, I took a walk with the baby, um, my new baby, through the garden at Hartwood, and we collected elements of nature outside and brought them in and really had a discussion about how we can embody that energy in the space, in our houses, um, in our in our yoga studios. So we brought in, we made an altar with just all flowers and plants and things from nature. I also wrote a meditation uh, for spring as a guided experience of the transition from winter to spring, which I can uh, link to also, if you'd like, maybe on the blog or on the website somewhere. Um, and so that's another way, you know, this guided experience of let me imagine the transition of winter to spring in my own body. Uh, imagine embodying that transition because Ayurveda teaches us we are all part of the natural world. Whatever's happening outside is also meant to happen within ourselves, but we are creatures of habit. And we've made the world such that we can ignore those changes <laughs> and we're not meant to do that. And so being okay with change is something we have a very difficult time with societally, but that's inevitable. It is inevitable that everything has a season, that everything comes to a close, that everything has a new chapter. And so if I can start to, on the mat, really start to explore those themes in the poses that I'm choosing or the sequences I'm choosing or the meditations that I'm experiencing. And readings. Oh, um, Mary yeah. Oliver has some remarkable poetry that is beautiful for yoga, that is uh, reflective of spring and changes. Yeah, I think that's important because... Even when things are absolutely perfect by our standard in our life, they won't be forever. And this is really my favorite time of year. It's always spring and fall that resonate the most with me because those are the most drastic changes we experience, uh, especially here in Florida, right? Because summer is forever. Uh, but the idea of rebirth and renewal in spring and then a closing in the fall, a coming uh, to an end of something, a closing of a chapter, that's really important too. And if we can talk about that, as often as possible, then when it happens in our lives, it takes us less by surprise. We're less shaken by the changes that will inevitably happen in our personal lives. And that's really important. And there are subtle things, I believe, that teachers can do to shift or change the energies in the room, one of which is metaphor. So um, while we often get stuck of describing something the same way every time we do it, mm -hmm. perhaps, you know, metaphors of spring brought into the class, this idea of of an unfolding like a flower bud opens or unfolds, mm -hmm. or the idea of the freshness, you know, the dew. Um, in some way, we can make references that bring people into the sensation and the feeling of spring. And I think that's what makes a practice in Ayurvedic yoga practice is bringing in this metaphor of nature and of the elements, you know, strength and stability and density leads to growth and upward movement. Teachers say things in balance postures like root to rise. It's only by grounding ourselves into the earth and finding our steadiness and our roots and what keeps us grounded that we can continue to grow upward because without that, we don't have that opportunity for growth. Well, I love that we are acknowledging this change of season and spring coming. Denver, is there a place that 
our listeners could go to maybe get an example of a class that would be guided towards this theme or Certainly. some suggestion? Yeah. So I'm going to be posting a class on our YouTube page, um, Heartwood Yoga Institute YouTube page, a free class that I taught just last week to my regular um, students in person. And it's really about embodying spring and growth and newness. And then I'm going to incorporate at the end of that, the meditation that I wrote as well. Um, and then I'll probably link a copy to that as well so people can download it and use it with their classes. What, what a wonderful resource. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to incorporate some of these practices right now. I think I could use a spring cleaning in my own body. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Don't forget, listeners, to like and subscribe and join us again for conversations on yoga and teaching and how to make the most out of your practice and sharing it with others. Thank you for joining us for the Yoga Perspectives podcast. We hope the conversations offered here informs and inspires your practice, helping you to connect with yoga on a deeper level. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. For more information about Heartwood Yoga Institute, check us out at heartwoodyogainstitute.com. We are honored to be a part of your ever-unfolding yoga journey and encourage you to not only live your yoga, but to share the wisdom with others. Namaste.